Hello, everyone. This is Sportify. I'm Bianca Burton. He's Adam Bennett, and he is back from tech. I am back and better than ever. <laughs> so I'm so excited. Sportify was on a sport hiatus, and <laughs> 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 and because holidays, we both were very busy with finals and work, and you know, just there was no time to sit down and really record. And so record, edit, post, all that stuff. But we are back because we promised y'all that we would talk about Beijing when it was getting closer and it's getting closer. Other things I'm going to talk about in some other episodes will be um, FIG gymnastics. That's going to be a solo one with me. And then Adam and I will talk about the NFL once playoff time starts, but we actually stopped back in week eight. That's how long we've been busy. So I'm going to catch y'all up from week eight to now we are in week 17 and tell y'all what happened. But then Adam and I will converse in another episode for um, the playoff time and Super Bowl time. And right after the Super Bowl, like two days after, Beijing starts. It is so exciting. Are you excited, Adam? I am so pumped. I got myself a uh, Peacock account with NBC. Yes. And I finally convinced you to do that. (laughs) Yes. I have um, my college schedule in a way that I will have lots of free time on Tuesday and Thursday mornings to catch up on any events that I am missing out on. But I plan on watching simply as many events as possible. I will be glued. I will be doing the same, and even if I'm at work while doing it, I don't care. (laughs) There are a lot of sports in the Winter Olympics, but I want you to talk about what you told me the other day about the Summer Olympics for Paris with weightlifting and all of that. Yeah, so if my recollection serves me correct, I texted you a couple weeks back uh, the IOC's decision to remove a couple of events from uh, the Paris uh, uh, Games. Uh, The IOC voted to remove boxing, weightlifting, and modern pentathlon from the LA Games. Sorry, not not London. Uh, Yeah, yeah. LA. Um, So for anybody that doesn't know, boxing, weightlifting, modern pentathlon currently have been removed from the L.A. games. Um, And I mentioned that I really enjoyed watching weightlifting. Um, But these three things that have been removed are all conditional. Um, So essentially, the IOC said to the federations in charge of these sports, you know, you've had problems for the, the last number of years. You failed to address them. And so we're really going to get serious and we're going to remove you from the Olympic uh, carousel of events until you fix this problem. And if you don't fix these problems, then we are going to, you know, just keep you out of the games. If you can fix them, you'll be added back. Um, so for the uh, weightlifting, the big problem was doping. Unfortunately, doping is is just something that that sport has really struggled with. Um, it's hard to consistently test during training. You know, the years and years it takes to train to come to the Olympics. Testing during the Olympics happens. The problem is they find out that people have been taking stuff before or immediately after. Um, and so the IOC is like, hey, you guys, you know, you kind of just need to figure this thing out here um, before we decide to reinstate it. 
Um, I believe the reason that boxing was removed had to do with um, officiating and and referees and scorecards and stuff like that being establishing a way for things to be more systematic and less, um, you know, willy nilly, for lack of a better term. Because boxing, if you don't knock somebody out, can be rather uh, subjective. Along with, I believe, a little bit of, of doping, but not nearly as much as weightlifting. And then modern pentathlon had to do with horse issues. Um, if you watched the, um, I didn't know this until I got really into the Olympics and watched really closely in Tokyo. Um, but for uh, the modern pentathlon, essentially what happens is all the athletes show up and a bunch of horses show up, but you don't get to ride your horse because you don't have your horse. You ride the horse they tell you to ride. And so you might have to do an event with a horse that you've never ridden before that just doesn't like you or doesn't like riders that's not its, you know, individual rider from its home country. And there were times where horses would run up to barriers and need to jump and it just didn't want to jump. And it's like, well, is it really the athlete's fault that they got the horse that didn't want to jump, you know? Um, and then there were also coaches and uh, athletes that were hitting horses in inappropriate ways because they were getting frustrated. And so um, the IOC wants them to figure out a way to remove uh, and replace the, the um, horse events in the modern pentathlon. So maybe you see them add something like a cycling event, um, which I think would possibly be a good replacement for a horse, but hopefully those three get added back. Personally, weightlifting would be the most tragic to see lost in the LA games. Although all of these events, weightlifting, boxing, and modern pentathlon are really historic events going all the way back to the 1940, uh, 1904 games. So that I'm glad you clar clarified that for me. And if you have seen the documentary Icarus, um, it's on Netflix, at least it was. When I, I need to watch it. that. I've heard oh, so many people say good things about so it. Good. So basically I will kind of do a synopsis, not going to spoil anything, but uh, based on the Sochi games, and of course, we all know what happened there. There was a bunch of doping. Eventually, people were like, well, all of the Russian athletes who won medals, like, were they legitimate? And that was kind of the question. Yeah, the documentary Icarus, I highly, highly recommend. Like I said, it was on Netflix, at least when I watched it. So have you been knocking out your documentary list? Oh, uh, you're going to expose me here. Unfortunately... <laughs> I have not gotten very far. I got bogged down in finals, but it does exist, and I do plan on doing it. Um, I, I, I finished. I think I fit. No, I don't think I finished the first one. I'm like halfway. <laughs> okay, you're exposing me, but I do need to finish it because I, I have learned hilarious things from the first one alone. Okay, so for anybody that doesn't know, I had this crazy idea. Uh, a couple months ago to watch every HBO documentary about the Olympics. There's a lot of them. There's like 40 of them. And most of them are very long. The first one about the 1912 Olympics, okay, with no dialogue in it, okay? It's just archival footage. It's two hours and 50 minutes, okay? And I'm taking very detailed notes, <laughs> okay? So it's a long process. And I will eventually get 
all the way to the end and I put them in chronological order. Okay, I'll get all the way to the Vancouver 2010 Winter Olympics. That's where it stops. I don't have anything that's more recent than 2010 Vancouver. Um, but I've learned things about uh, Olympic tug of war, early iterations of Olympic diving. Okay, where they just sprinted off the end of a pier <laughs> into a lake. Um, I learned about the oldest Olympian, uh, the oldest gold medalist in Olympic history. This record still holds, still stands. The dude won a gold medal for a competition called running deer shooting. Where the athletes would shoot at a cutout of a running deer as it moves across an opening. Oh. <laughs> it still stands. Oh my God. So, so I'm I am, learning lots. I did not mean to expose you. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, you know, it you know, this is maybe this could be a resolution. Sometimes you gotta yeah, call that's... people out. Sometimes you gotta call people up. So, okay, let's let's get into the real smut. So, we have to talk about the Olympic boycott. Now, in our previous Olympic history episodes, if you go back and listen, we talk about some Olympic boycotts, um, mostly in the 70s and 80s and 90s, but um, this is a diplomatic boycott. You may see on the news, oh, U.S. is boycotting Olympic Games. That's really a sketchy headline because we're really not, <laughs> because we're still letting our athletes go. They are still participating. It's the diplomatic officials that have planned not to go due to, um, and other countries have, have followed suit as well, due to not supporting China's human rights policies. So how exactly this is working the last time that the u.s boycotted an olympic games was in 1980 because um of the moscow games like i explained in that other episode and that was along with 44 other nations and they were protesting the soviet invasion of of afghanistan so very interestingly in those games, Chinese leaders sent 18 athletes to the Liberty Bell Classic in Philadelphia, which was billed as the alternative to the main event in Moscow. So the Summer Olympics in 1984, which was in L.A., the Russians decided to boycott us, and they didn't come. Four decades later, China is now the subject of an Olympic boycott movement. So who has boycotted so far? U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. They have joined together for a diplomatic boycott. No government officials will attend the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics, though athletes from the countries will still compete. Japan said it will also withhold high-level government officials, but will send Olympic officials and athletes. This does not nearly approach the scale or severity of the 1980 boycott. It really doesn't like that. It's just not in the Cold War era. So other U.S. allies like South Korea and France have said they will not participate in the diplomatic boycott. So there are some other allies that are like, no, we're, we're not going to boycott. We're still going to go. And China has some very strict COVID-19 protocols for this Olympics including a mandatory quarantine 
far fewer athletes being able to travel to Beijing anyway. So this basically marks the end of the global detente over the Olympics that has lasted since the end of the Cold War. It's very, very interesting. And China is not happy about the boycott at all. They responded furiously, accusing the boycotting nations of politicizing sports and threatening that they would, quote, pay a price for their erroneous actions. If tensions do not ebb, Chinese officials could consider a similar move for the 2028 LA Games. It's very interesting. More to come, and this was from Time Magazine who reported this. And we've got till like February 4th, I believe. And it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening there. Yeah, it is. It is definitely going to be interesting. But regardless of what happens, February 4th is go time. So we're on a deadline. They don't have very much time to figure out what they're going to do. So, Adam, you said you had some information on the hosting of the, the games. I do. I have a lot. So whenever it becomes more than we're interested in, feel free to tell me. Go ahead. I'm ready. Um, so uh, the Olympics are a notoriously inexpensive event to host. Um, they're also, unfortunately, sometimes quite over budget. So um, I did a little bit of research on the money facts about the Beijing Olympics. Um, the first Beijing Olympics to happen, of course, were the 2008 Summer Games in Beijing. Um, if you've never seen the opening ceremony of the 2008 Beijing Olympics, you're missing out. Go find it on YouTube. It's amazing. But they spent a lot of money in 2008 to host the Beijing Summer Olympics. They spent $43 billion. Oh By God. comparison... To host the Winter Olympics this year in February, they're spending a mere $3.9 billion. So it's much more affordable to host a Winter Olympics. That's in US dollars, by the way. Unless, of course, you're Russia, because the Russians, when they hosted the Sochi Olympics in 2014, spent a whopping $50 billion on a Winter Olympic Games. That's so much money. So when you compare that to a Winter Olympics held, uh, you know, just uh, eight years later in Beijing for $3.9 billion, this looks like an affordable games to me. Uh, also, fun fact, I learned today uh, or yesterday that the Tokyo Olympics that just happened, the Summer Olympics, came in under budget by $1.8 billion. That's not bad. If anybody did not know, this is the first Winter Olympics to ever be held in China. This is also the third consecutive Winter Games to be held in East Asia specifically. You had Pyeongchang in 2018 in South Korea, Winter Olympics. You had Tokyo in 2020 Summer Olympics. You had Beijing 2022 uh, Winter Olympics. So that's kind of interesting that the IOC has been sticking in East Asia for a little bit, but they're about to go into um, uh, back into Europe for the next summer and winter Olympics in Italy and in France before jumping to North America. Um, I think we might have mentioned this before in a previous episode, but Beijing will be the first city to ever host a summer and a winter Olympics, the first city to do both. 
Um, many of the buildings that were constructed for the 2018 games will be renewed, uh, reused. All 26 venues uh, will be entirely run on renewable resources, according to the Beijing Organizing Committee. Um, they will have a record 109 events, over 15 disciplines, and seven sports. That's the most events of any Winter Olympics uh, to date. Um, this one is very random, but Haiti will be making their very first Winter Olympic debut in Beijing. Um, and then I also noted that the NHL players will be able to compete in these games after being barred from competing in the Pyeongchang Olymp uh, Olympics in 2018. But unfortunately, in the last week, that decision has been rescinded because COVID-19 impacted the NHL season more than expected this year with over 50 games being postponed before December alone. So the NHL and the NHLPA agreed that uh, it would not be in the best interest of the league to um, send uh, players to China to compete in this uh, year's Olympics. Um, but in a statement from the NHL, they said they are looking forward to participating in the 20, 2026 Winter Olympics. It's quite unfortunate because hockey does bring a lot of fans to the Winter Olympics, but feel free to keep watching. If I am correct, the female hockey team is still participating. Uh, yeah, I, 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 well, the men's national team will still go for the U.S. It just won't have any, any NHLers on it. Right. Yeah. Right. But obviously we don't have a female um league for that but uh right they they are a force to be reckoned with um yes they are Them. oh yes um just random before we continue i've been watching a lot of uh skiing lately okay so are u.s female uh skaters or skaters skiers are winning like everything and it's so exciting. Michaela Schriffen won the World Cup. She won gold in the World Cup. That never happens. I mean, of course, since Lindsey Vaughn retired, she was kind of in Lindsey Vaughn's shadow. But now Michaela Schriffen has won the World Cup. And then uh, Jesse Doggins is uh, winning other international competitions as well. So it's kind of like the prelims, you know, the playoffs, if you will getting ready for the big games and it's just exciting to see u.s women absolutely dominating the sport of skiing i have a question what do you think yeah. is the most slept on winter olympic event most biathlon by okay yep biathlon's pretty good i don't know if this is maybe it's more popular than i think it is but i love speed skating Okay, that that too. I think speed skating is awesome. But, Maybe it's more popular than I think it is, but I, I feel think, like yeah. I'm watching a niche yeah. sport when I watch it. Yeah. I, I get you, but I, I think it is more popular than biathlon, but I watched biathlon um, during the last Winter Olympics, and I had a grand old time because I never watched it, and it was on, and I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll just watch it. So basically, if no one, if y'all don't know what that is, it's cross-country skiing in the freaking snow, and then they have to stop and they get on their stomachs and they shoot like three to five times at these targets. And you have to shoot uh, three 
green ones because it's like green and red on the screen. And if you don't, you have to stay there. <laughs> and then you have to get up on your skis and then finish the race. And it is the most stressful like thing to watch, but it's so fun. And like, I, I don't know how, obviously they train, but I don't know how you would do that, you know, just cross country skiing. And then you have to sit down and then work your aim and get three perfect shots. Just no pressure, right? Yeah. And then race the other people. You, you're, this is time, you know? And obviously whoever has the uh, um, quickest time at the end wins. But anyway. Random, random question. You probably don't want to include this in the final. Did you hear about the people who tried to put out the Olympic torch in Athens? No. Uh, so you know how like the torch ceremony starts, right? Right. So it starts in Athens and it gets passed from the people in like the traditional like ancient Greek costumes um, into somebody from a representative from the Beijing uh, and then they start the race, right? Or the, the trip across the country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there were protesters who were protesting Chinese human right abuse allegations, right? They were basically like, don't have these games in China. Um, anyway, they tried to extinguish the flame and they were like brought down by security at the ceremony. Um, but I didn't know if you knew that. I was looking at the torch no, designs on the website that. and I was reminded of it. Somebody just... also tried to put out the torch in Tokyo, but it was not in relations to human rights stuff. It was people in Tokyo um, that were like, why are we having this huge event during a pandemic? Uh, but uh, their attempt to put it out was with a water gun and it was actually kind of funny. Um, like they had this little squirt. And this little squirt gun, and they were like five feet away trying to like snipe the flame with their squirt gun. Like a Nerf pistol. gun? <laughs> yeah, it was like a little, like a little, like you'd have like a little kid in a pool, right? Not like a super <laughs> soaker. There's a little pistol. And everybody just kind of looked at him, and somebody eventually took the squirt gun away from him. Yeah, like you're done. You're, you're done. Today. E- you're done. E- you're done. E- you're done. So, anyway, if you haven't seen the torch design, it's pretty neat looking. Um, <laughs> but I want to talk about, oh, so no, like I, that's funny. Um, so I'm going to, because it's notorious that more people watch these summer games than they do the winter games. It's just always been that way. So unfortunately, right. I want to talk about what sports are in the winter games and why you need to watch. Them. So I just described biathlon. So basically combines the endurance and intensity of cross-country skiing with the precision and skill of rifle shooting. And also it makes it that much more exciting because I did watch shooting at the summer games this past uh, summer Mm -hmm. and good God, I was bored out of my mind. (laughs) Which wait, which variation of shooting did you watch? Pistol, rifle, or shotgun? Rifle, rifle. Rifle, okay. And if you uh, if you didn't like rifle, you should give shotgun a try next time around. The shotgun I, is always exciting. You know what I was thinking? I'm like, where's the snow? Exactly. Where's the snow and where's the skis? <laughs> I, I was like, this is boring. <laughs> but um, because they literally, I, I bet by. I wonder how many people do both. I wonder how many biathletes. I, 
or just like, wait, I don't have to like run and be cold. I can just stand there and shoot. Because the reason why it's boring is because they don't, they don't have anything to cut to. And you have to sit there and watch them reload for like Mm. 30 minutes. (laughs) And because they all shoot at the same time. And then you have to stop and wait and then they do it again and then they do it again and it's like okay and if my memory serves me correctly you don't get to see the you know the bullet impact target you see a like a digital representation of where it is correct you know what i mean versus like an archery when they let go of the arrow they cut to the target and you see the arrow impact the target but obviously a bullet's moving too fast to do that so it's it's not as interactive so you just gave me for the viewer a great idea. Okay. I just looked up athletes that have competed in both the summer and Olymp- and, Olymp- and winter Olympic games. The U.S. flag bearer uh, did. He played baseball and I want to say he did speed skating. So prior to the 1924 Winter Olympics, the winter sports of figure skating and ice hockey had been contested in the Summer Olympics. The creation of the first Winter Olympic Games allowed for many athletes of the era to compete in both sets of games in the same discipline. Mm -hmm. So here's the main list. And the Russian athlete Nikolai Panin, I hope I'm saying that right, is unique for having competed in both summer sport shooting in 1912 and a winter sport figure skating in 1908 but only competing at the Summer Olympics. So among these athletes, the most occurring combination is bobsledding and athletics. Huh. Hmm. And followed by cycling and speed skating. Well, that that makes sense because in speed skating, you use your thighs like no other. And that's what you do in cycling. So, um, but bobsledding and athletics... Only six of the 139 athletes won medals in both the Summer or Winter Olympics. So they had Eddie Agan and Gillis Gastrom were the only two athletes to win gold medals in both games. Gastrom has the fervor distinction of being the only person to have won an individual gold medal in both the Summer and Winter Olympics. And that's uh, three times over. So once in the Summer and then two in um, two separate Winter Games. Meanwhile, Egan remains the only athlete to have managed the feat in different disciplines. So, okay, I see. Some of the Olympians competed in both sets of games over a span of different decades. So it it goes all the way back to, I would say, 1908 when people were like, hey, I can do both. (laughs) So what if you did like gymnastics in the summer Olympics and you're like, Oh, diving's on. Gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) BRB. Um, but Eddie Agin was for the U S and he did boxing and bobsled. It is the guy who I thought it was. Eddie Alvarez is a, he was the flag bearer for the opening ceremonies of Beijing or of of Tokyo 2020 for the U S him and Sue bird. Did it together. He is a dual sport athlete. He plays baseball for Team USA, won a silver medal in, in Tokyo. And in 2014, he went to uh he went to Sochi and won a silver medal in the 5,000 meter uh speed skating. 
uh, event. So he is a winter and a summer athlete. That's a modern example, but they're not as common uh, these days. Oh, here's a different one. <laughs> Sailing. Okay. Wrap your head around this. Sailing in the summer, right? Okay. And then alpine skiing in the winter. <laughs> wow. Wow. They uh, they must have grown up pretty well off to, to get into those two sports. Right. And then some okay. dough to get into those two. In 2008, modern pentathlon and then cross-country skiing. That makes sense. Yep. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Martin Teskovic for Slovakia. He competed in three games. Uh, well, actually, excuse me, four games, but three of them with both sports. Weightlifting and then bobsled. <laughs> Hirano for Japan in 2020. He did, he did uh, skateboarding which was the first time skateboarding became a sport. And right. he's doing snowboarding as well. Um, oh, oh that he, makes a lot of sense. Or he did, excuse me, he did snowboarding first and then skateboarding became an Olympic sport and he did that right. as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's a logical. Cool. That's a logical line well, of thinking. hello, Sean White. Is Sean White a skater? Yes, Sean White's a I skater. I, I didn't know. I mean, I, that's a lot. I guess I should have figured that out. Well, okay, let me let me let me rephrase. The question is: Does Tony Hawk shred on, shred down the slopes? <laughs> um, that I don't think I don't so. But he probably can. But um, I'm sure he could. Like Sean White grew up a skateboarder, but of course, skateboarding has not been an Olympic sport until 2020. So. That like he was huge in the X Games and everything that you could do in skateboarding, but there was no Olympic level. So he went to snowboarding, and that's why he's an Olympic snowboarder. And um, he says that he believes this Olympic Games will be his last, which is sad. Oh, I love that guy. Icon. Um, and so yeah, so back to the sports. So bobsled and, um, or bobsleigh, I always say bobsled, but um, athletes make timed runs down a narrow ice track in a specifically de uh, designed sledge. It actually, and there's a lot of people in the bobsled. There's like four people, right? Uh, for team bobsled events, yeah. I believe there are four. Yeah, and you gotta squeeze in there. And <laughs> but there are two-person variants, and there are—I uh, believe this year I was reading—I could be wrong, don't quote me—but I believe there is a solo variant of bobsled now. Okay, and um, it, it, I mean it's kind of like rowing in the snow <laughs> on the ice uh, without using your arms. You just kind of hope yeah. for the best. Um, <laughs> then alpine skiing. And it's one of these signature competitions. Really cool. Figure skating, my favorite. And this includes, now we will get into figure skating in a minute, but it includes singles, pairs, and ice dancing. Cross-country skiing, and this is separate from the biathlon, so take out the shooting. They just, they're like, no, that's too hard. <laughs> I'll just do the cross-country skiing just fine. And it's actually one of the original uh, Winter Olympic sports. So, yeah, and curling. We love curling. <laughs> so it's actually really fun to watch. And I saw a post that was like Team USA 
um, for curling, all of the men, they look like dads who are trying to get away from their kids. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) that's fine. But yeah, so if you haven't watched curling before, it's really fun. And teams use brooms and specifically designed shoes to slide granite stones across the ice towards a target. So it's kind of like shuffleboard on ice with a broom. Um, in a stone. <laughs> in, in a stone, yeah. Um, freestyle skiing, which is different than alpine skiing. Alpine, you just go straight off. And um, in freestyle, you can combine extreme skill. And that's where the spins come in, the tricks come in, and all of that. Um, ice hockey, and we all know what that is. Nordic combined is made up of two separate sports, ski jumping and cross country skiing. I see. Okay. That's really hard. (laughs) So you got to cross country ski and then do ski jumping and then go back to cross country ski. You cannot pay me enough. Um, There is luge which is i mean luge and skeleton are extremely dangerous there's no joke people have actually died in the olympic games and in competitions uh due to those sports because you're going so fast down the track skeleton you're going head first luge you're going feet first and there have been multiple times where people have literally flown off the track and rammed into a brick wall and died and it is you have to be careful yeah and i am trying to i'm trying to remember i believe it it was the so no i think it was pyongyang olympics where for some reason the the runoff area for the ramp for the mm-hmm. um for the bobsled wasn't long enough and the bobsled came in and couldn't stop. I think maybe the brakes had broken on one of the carts and they weren't able to stop. And so the runoff area wasn't long enough for a bobsled with that much speed without brakes. And so it ran the full length of the runoff area and then hit the end of the track and launched itself out the end of the track. Oh my God. I'm gonna have to find this, but it was bad. Like, like I don't I don't know if they were transported to the hospital, but they launched off the end of it. I'll find it and send it to you. Uh, but yeah, and also, there's also a video I know that exists out there of a, a skull athlete. That's the one where they go down head first mm-hmm. on top of a really thin board, um, where one of the attendants on the track left a broom on the track, and they hit the broom going like 90 kilometers an hour. Were they okay? Um, I think so. They they got to redo it. Okay. Um, let's see. But yeah, so um, I personally, personally, it's just me, think those sports are way too dangerous. Okay, crash of Italian bobsled without brakes. All right, go ahead. Keep going. When I let, when I'll, I'll send it to you when I find it, but I know it exists. You're fine. Um, but don't you agree these are just too dangerous? They're very dangerous. Um, but I don't know that they're more dangerous than some of the other sports that are in the Olympics. So 
Um, definitely one of those sports where safety is of the utmost importance. I mean, obviously every event you want to be safe, but some events, you know, safety is, you know, a top of mind more than others. Right. Um, but I think these athletes know what they're getting themselves into. And I think they make that, that personal decision for themselves. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. These, these definitely have the potential to really mess some people up. Yeah. Boom. That's it. Okay. This is it. I found it. Okay. It was not in an Olympics. All right. I was wrong. It was was at the 2011, 2012 World Cup. Okay. I will send it to you. Watch it. I want, I want your reaction. Okay. Skip to about the one minute, 15 second mark. I'll send it to you. All right. Uh, Share. Copy link. Copy, copy. Okay, this is a good example of how dangerous bobsledding can be. Let me see if I can find the... Yeah, he's getting really fast. Okay. Oh, crap. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, okay, they look okay, but wow. Um, like Adam was saying, yeah, they went down the runoff, which, by the way, is not long enough at all. Is not long enough. For, I mean, without breaks, you gotta have a longer runoff. Like, you gotta prepare for that, is what I'm saying. Like, you know, um, these guys are going so fast, and of course, when you're going downhill, you go even faster. So it's just like, what are you doing? But um, yeah, and there was this kind of like mesh area and then part of the wall and they just, the whole thing just goes through it. Like, that's all I can explain. Um, well, damn, but yeah, so. Okay, I found the other one. I'll send you this all one. Right. This is the one where she hits the broom and then we can, I, I don't want to slow us down too much, Perfect. but. Start watching. She hits the broom within the first 15 seconds of this video. And then if you don't want to watch her full run, you can jump to about one minute and 30 seconds. Oh my God. And you can see her hit it in slow-mo. That is like a full ass broom. They do the replay. Oh, it's a full broom. It's like a shop broom. (laughs) It's like a really wide wooden broom. Oh my God. (laughs) It's not funny. Um, No, it's not funny. She hits it so hard. But like, guys. So you can watch <laughs> it in full speed at the beginning, and you can see it in slow mo at around one thirty. Guys, 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 guys. There are freaking cameras everywhere, and you're telling me no one saw it before. She no went. one saw the broom. That's so fucking ridiculous. Now there's also an athlete who hit a paper fan at an event, <laughs> but that just slowed their thing down, and they had to. Okay, restart. I'm watching it Nobody in slow mo. Watching it in slow mo. Okay. Okay, so luckily she saw it and turned her head so it didn't hit her in the face. It hit her in the shoulder. But if it hit her in the face, she probably would have, you know, who knows what would have happened. But um, it might have broken the helmet. But yeah, it would have been bad, bad, bad. 
it hits her so she kind of like ducks her head and it hits her shoulder and it goes flying off but um well see yeah these sports can be very dangerous both summer winter extreme not extreme anything uh we have to be very careful but anyway back back on track so back on track speaking of track short track speed skating so we were talking about speed skating a minute ago there are uh, long form speed skating, obviously a lot longer, more endurance, and then short track, which I think I would be good at. And you have much less time, and it's just much faster, kind of like sprinting. So, sprinting yeah. with blades on your feet. Yes, in, in a spikes are too mild. We need blades. <laughs> Yeah. Then there is ski jumping, which is actually one of my favorites to watch. Um, they launch themselves from ramps to soar through the air where distance and style are crucial. So that they actually like measure how far they go and that goes into their score. And um, yeah, so then there's speed skating just regularly and then snowboarding, of course. So let's get into figure skating so there have been so many figure skating competitions because it's about that time of year there was nationals the championships um are going to be in march but nationals go throughout each country around december to february very interestingly enough February 5th is the French Nationals, but the Olympics start February 4th. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but okay. Then there's the Grand Prix, the Challenger Series, and then other internationals. And it's just very, very interesting. And I recorded, quite frankly, everything. I had over like 40 recordings of three-hour skating programs to watch. That is so much game. And also another reason why I've kind of taken my time is I really wanted to sit and enjoy the skating. You know, I don't want to just watch it for the scores and for the podcast. Like, I want to watch it because I enjoy it. Um, oh. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I just saw the best thing I've ever seen. I looked at under it says other internationals. Can you guess what the name of this international cup is for figure skating? Is it named after like a person or a company? Yes. <laughs> it's a person? Yes. Is it a famous person? Yes. Is it a famous American? Um, shit. Yes. Okay. I uh, guess. It, 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 okay, it's going to sound bad. Is it that American <laughs> figure skater who got attacked? Oh, uh, Nancy Kerrigan? No, that would no, okay. no. But I, I'll just tell you, it's the Santa Claus Cup. <laughs> what? I'm not okay. kidding. <laughs> you said, I'm "Is not it Nancy Saint Kerrigan?" <laughs> Is it that skater? I was tag? like an American figure skating. <laughs> no, the Santa like, Claus uh, Cup. I don't know what's the right way to say this. It happened on December 6, 2021. 
Wow. Why didn't I know? December sixth. It it's not even that close to Christmas. It's not even that close to Christmas. Shush. Then. <laughs> there is, <laughs> there is um. <laughs> I should have um, named it. There's the cranberry cup in August. Oh, that's so the funny. Cranberry cup. They should just have sponsors make it like boldly or it's the most like strange title. That is so funny. But anyway, so um they have the Russian cup, and of course the Russian figure skaters are the most notorious and amazing and I love watching them as well as the gymnast but yeah, yeah so um there was that and then you you can choose which you participate in as a figure skater which challenge which uh pre's and challenges and cups you participate in you obviously don't have to do um each one and then there's the infamous skate America and skate Canada skate Italy all of those things and then you go into uh nationals and stuff like that so skate America is the first one right then it goes skate Canada and then skate Italy and um again you only have to compete at one of those but you can compete at all of them if you feel like it so what happened now in the men's i'm only gonna do gold silver bronze vincent zoe got a 97 4 3 in his short program he is from the u.s and a 198.13 in his full program in his freestyle so putting him at 295.56 then shoma ono from uh japan notorious skater kind of surprised he got second but he did fall 89.07 in the short program 181.61 in the uh free skate and then that put him at 270.68 and notice there is a big name not in the top two and that is nathan chen he got third place never happens this guy's the reigning world champ three times over. He fell so much. And not only did he fall, but he's falling on extremely difficult skills. And that makes the fall worth more, even so it makes it even worse. And he only got an 82.89 in his short program. In his free skate, he got 186, a little better, a little better than Uno. So he only ended up with 269.37. The first competition out. He actually was in fourth place, but someone did worse <laughs> and got put down. And so he moved up to third, but he was he was shocked. And he brought back his program called Nemesis for his short program. It is definitely his nemesis, and I don't think he should have brought it back because in the Olympics, this... Um, in the uh, previous Winter Olympics, he did not do so great in that program either. It's like, why would you? Okay, so, and um, the women's side of things, it is Russian, Russian, and then South Korean. Alexander Trusova, 77.69 in her short program and 154.68. 232 is the total. And then Daria Usacheva, 
who, oh my God, was amazing. And she wasn't even in the Russian lookouts, if you will. She's good, but they weren't really expecting her to do that well. So she ended up with 217.31, and she's only 15. <laughs> and if we recall, one of my favorite figure skaters of all time, Alina Zagitova, who won the Olympic gold medal, and no one was expecting her to do that. Now, she has since taken a hiatus. I think she's personally done with figure skating. I haven't seen anything regarding her return. But everyone thought Evgena Mendendeva was going to win. But Zagitova won instead. And kind of the underdogs, if you will. And then Yu Young for South Korea got third place. And then in pairs, Russian got first place. Tarasova and Monzonov, 222.50. Then Japanese, Mihara and Kihara, 208.20. And then Russian again, Bolikova and Kovlovsky, who were really, really good. I remember their programs. Then in... Now, also, if you don't know, the difference between pairs and dance, pairs, there are lifts, there are throws, dance, there's none of that. There there are lifts, but, like, you don't throw your partner across the ice because it's, it's dancing. It's about twizzles and step sequences and stuff like that. So, um... Madison Hubble and Zach Donahue from the U.S. This is their last season competing in their last Olympic Games. They won. And then um, Madison Chalk and Evan Bates for the U.S. got second place. And then Canada, Sorensen and Fournier for third place. So that was Skate America. And then Skate Canada, which is not that far after like i think it's like a week after here's what happened nathan chen bounced back he got first place with a whopping 307.18 as his total then jason brown got from the u.s as well second place and then evgeny Semenkino from russia got third women Okay, now this is interesting because sometimes some of the Russian women compete in Skate America, but they don't compete in Skate Canada, as I was saying earlier. So we've had a little bit different lineup, if you will. It literally went Russian all the way through. One, two, and three, all Russian. And by the way, most of these Russian skaters have the same coach, which is kind of shocking to me. It's... It, I'm serious. Like, I think about half of them all have the same coach. <laughs> um, so, Camila Valieva won first place, and then Elizaveta Tudomasheva second place. Who? Yeah, I agree with that. And then Alina Costa Cornaya um, third place. Just incredible. And then in ice dancing, Canada, Italy, and Spain. The one I want to point out is um, Smart and Diaz. Oh my God, go watch their programs. They are so, so good. In pairs, China, Russia, and the US. So 
you can see where things start to form. And then, um, of course, Italia, Japan, France, and then uh, Grand Prix Russia, which literally no one else goes to except the Russians. (laughs) Like, why would you even go? So, yeah, and very, very interesting, and I will keep y'all updated on that. So, I want to finish it off with the top 10 athletes to watch for these Winter Olympic Games. So, We've got four, ski jumping, country, Japan. I apologize if I'm saying this incorrect, incorrectly. Sarah, oh, it, ooh. Takanashi, that's it. Takanashi. So she's only 24, but she has already managed to achieve a huge success in ski jumping. She broke a record for a female athlete with her four World Cup titles and also holds the record among all ski jumpers for the most World Cup wins with 60 victories at 24. That's amazing. Huh. What do you think about that, Adam? Sorry, can you repeat that? Oh, did it break up? Yeah. So... Um, Takanashi is only 24, but she has already managed to achieve four World Cup titles. And then she holds the record among all ski jumpers for the most World Cup wins with 60 victories. Jeez, man. How many World Cups are there in a year? I don't know, but she she's that's from Japan. So um, so that's number one. And then um Kingsbury for Canada in freestyle skiing, Michael Kinsbury. He broke the records for the most men men's Mongols World Cup titles and has won the most medals at the Freestyle World Championships of any other of any male competitor in history. So he is the reigning Olympic and world champion in the Mongols. So it is pretty easy to say that he will probably get a medal in 2022. Then, of course, Miss Michaela Schriffen, who I was talking about earlier. From the U.S., alpine skiing. She's an Olympic gold medalist and won four medals at the 2021 World Championships, including gold in alpine. The 26-year-old is also the youngest champion in Olympic alpine skiing history, winning the most World Cup races, 45 of them in history, and becoming the first alpine skier to win the World Championship in the same discipline four consecutive times. Just amazing. And then we have Francesco Frederic for Germany. Bob what Sled. a name. <laughs> um, he leads the four-man bobsled team, and they are the defending Olympic champions for Germany and easily will win the gold medal, um, is what is predicted. But they won the gold medal at the 2021 World Championships Championships with a time of three minutes, 35 seconds, and two milliseconds, which is 0.79 seconds faster than Latvia, who were the runners up. And yeah, look looking good for them. And then we have for the Netherlands in short, stra- short track speed skating, Suzanne Schulting. So she has won gold in every event, in every event at the 2021 World Championships becoming the only second 
woman and fourth skater in history to sweep the board at championships. She's only 23, by the way. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, And then there's also the Netherlands. Irene Wust. I hope I'm saying that right. For speed skating, just regular speed skating. The Netherlands are dominating the speed skating at the Winter Olympics, including 121 total medals in the sport. And Irene is responsible for 11 of those 121 medals. She's the first athlete to have won a gold medal in an event for at four different Winter Games. And if she wins again in Beijing, she will be the first and only person to have won gold at five editions of the Games, including the Summer Olympics. Then we have Miss Chloe Kim snowboarding for the U.S. Amazing. She made history um, in the last Winter Olympics. And she made history at Pyeongchang 2018 as she became the youngest woman to win an Olympic snowboarding gold medal when she won the gold in women's snowboard halfpipe at just 17 years old. The American is the reigning world Olympic and X Games champion in the halfpipe and the Winter Olympics next year could add to her medal collection. I think that's right. And then finishing up here, Charlotte Kala for Sweden. Cross-country skiing. She has become Sweden's most successful female cross-country skier of all time after winning four medals in Pyeongchang, four medals in Pyeongchang, damn, including gold, taking her Olympic tally to nine medals. She's 34, and she has hinted that Beijing will be her last, but she has already won multiple medals at all of the Olympics she's participated in. And then there's Yuzuru Hanyu, who is the Japanese male figure skater who puts Nathan Chen and Vincent Zhou in a nervous position. So he has broken records as a remarkable 19 times and is famously regarded as one of the greatest male figure skaters in history. Do I think Nathan Chen is better? Yes. (laughs) Do the Olympics care? No. (laughs) So... The Japanese is the reigning Olympic champion in the men's singles competition, and he will surely be the man to beat in Beijing as he looks for a third consecutive title. And then, finally, Tina Herman. Germany, skeleton. Tina Herman has won the last three world championships in women's skeleton and is the first four-time world champion in the event. She also has three golds in the mixed team event. She's 29 and finished outside in the medals in Pyeongchang, finishing fifth. But she might want to get a little revenge and uh, represent that in Pyeongchang. In uh, Pyeongchang, Beijing. So, yeah, that's really all I have. Well, that is a lot of awesome information. And I think your viewers are all the more ready to uh, witness some Olympic magic come February. I am ready. I'm so ready. And um, thank you for listening. This is Sportify, and we will be back very, very soon. Adam, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Everybody have a happy New Year's. Yes, happy New Year.